Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. So yeah. I assumed you were recording. You always start the recording when the okay. call starts. Always. Well, I've been going for 24 minutes, okay. and we've had so many times of just you, sheer gold. We like could have won a Grammy. We could have won a Grammy. Sounds like you rec- you recorded a great podcast on your own. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. People are gonna go. Michael doesn't even talk to anybody. He just just talks himself, and then he's got an AI voice of yeah. of yeah. Nathan Loudon exactly. on the other end. Exactly. Pro- program to just say uh huh every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. You know, here's here's a quick question. How's we we spent time yesterday? This could just be quick. Spent time yesterday in a pastors meeting. And we we went around one by one. It, it was hosted here at my church, and um, just said, "Guys, you know what are you dealing with?" We spent time praying for each other, and uh, it never fails that there's always three or four guys out of a group of ten that have that are pretty burdened by something. A lot of things to rejoice in. Constantly rejoicing. Constantly. Um, Bearing burdens is a negative thing, but but feeling the weight of souls and struggle and challenges and be being minister in the church. Um, how are you feeling about being a pastor these days? Um, I am enthusiastic, optimistic, um, excited. I feel um, more or less ready to preach every week, Um, but tired. Hmm. Like, um, just some, I think week after week, uh, I feel more exhausted than the week before, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And and just like... Explain explain that. You don't have to explain to me. But explain, yeah, no, explain no. why a, t- a pastor would be tired. Don't I, I was <laughs> I had my kids yesterday at the office. Uh, Colette was doing some writing at home, so I had, our oldest two were at school. My youngest two came and did some work here at the office. On the way home, my son goes, "Dad, I didn't know that's what you do every day." What do you mean, son? I didn't know you just sit at your computer all day every day. <laughs> I was like, "Well, that's not what I do <laughs> all day every day." <laughs> Yeah. So uh, there's that, but um, I mean, why would it? So th- why would, I hear so that a lot from the pastors. What's so tiring about being a pastor? It you know it's weird. Like you, you, the um, it's not something sleep can fix because it's mm-hmm. not a sleep issue. Mm-hmm. And I, it's true. I don't get a whole lot of sleep, so I can't say that it's not all <laughs> sleep issue. But, <laughs> but that. There, it's like a it's like an intense burden there, there's um there are uh, organizational tasks that weigh in there are issues that are going on in the lives of people that you're caring and you're worried about 
there are issues in your own life and with your own family and your own marriage that you're also worried about. And it's sort of, um, I guess, <clears throat> if you can imagine like the, the, the burden that you often feel when you just like you spend a ton of time on social media maybe mm-hmm. and you just hear all the bad news of everything that's mm-hmm. going on in the world or if you watched a, a news station 24 mm-hmm. hours a day mm-hmm. um how much time would would pass before you just felt overwhelmed and i think that there's a lot of times as a pastor where the just the work itself and all the things you know need to be done and you know everything feels urgent to you you know how how long would you can you take that before you just feel exhausted by it all yeah you know yeah it's kind of like um you know being in the military in the front lines like you can only be at the front and shot at so often and for so long before you need to come backwards and take a break. Or it's like why NFL seasons are, aren't 20 games long or 25 yeah. games long because your, your body, at the end of the season, I mean, the, the injury percentage increases through the season. There's, yeah. you can, your body can only do so much daily, weekly beating like that physically. Right. Um, and then, then on top of that, I think what the, one so like you take those like kind of burdens, there's organizational burdens, there's there's ministerial burdens, and then there's teaching and preaching burdens that on top of those things, you are preparing to stand up in front of a congregation. And I teach no less than three times a week, um, teach slash preach no less than three times a week. And... And, and and I mean three different, you know, mm-hmm. lessons, whatever you want to call them, three different, you know, texts. And so, um, I th- you know, I think the burden of that is, you know, tough because it's like you, you, you finish teaching one and you start preparing for another. And you're constantly trying to get ahead, you know, and... And it's, it's, it becomes difficult. Like my whole week is not spent on my sermon. Actually, I feel like, I feel like precious little time is spent on the, on the sermon Mm -hmm. itself and Mm -hmm. less time than I would probably like. Um, so, you know, it's all of those things compounding, I think that, that make it, uh, challenging. Yeah. Which is why, you know, I mean, we're, we're right now going through a conversation on, uh, in our church on um, plurality of elders. And I think that's, you know, part of the beauty of that and the reason why that's a biblical, you know, thing is in part to kind of spread that burden across, you know, many qualified men. Yeah, that's actually the reason that Moses is given the 70 elders in the book of Exodus is I think it was a Jephthah father-in-law that comes up and says, "Listen, man, you can't do all this. Moses, right. you 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 can hear from God. You can give the word. You can give the commandments. You can make judgments. There's no way you can entertain all of the things that come to you as a leader from this people. So the Lord helps him 
uh, by giving him a plurality of leadership so that, you know, I think the text says uh, smaller things came to these people and things with greater yeah. attention came to Moses. So it's it, it, it's not even, the, the idea of elders isn't just a, um, well, we've got to do it some way. We have to do it this way. It's really practical. Right. It, it, it's, it meets it's practical. Really practical needs. And, and if you think about it, the last time God's people were led by one singular man, it was Moses. That's the last time yeah. that happens. Even when David is king, he's got elders. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last time God's people, that he allowed them to be led by one man, it was Moses. And even Moses, he sent Aaron with him. So, you know, <laughs> and he surrounded him by elders before he ever gave them the moniker elder, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, endowed them with the abilities or the the uh, privileges of elder. Mm-hmm. So, but but that was the last time that God's people were ever led by a singular person until the 20th century came along and we decided that was a better way to do church. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you have you have you have pastoral burnout that's that is connected to that structure idea of, of the church. Deeply connected. And pastoral yes. expectations uh, by the yes. congregation on the church and what all a pastor is supposed to do. I've seen over the years, you know, trying to help pastors and friends find churches and uh, just, you know, seeing uh, opportunities come through, you know, like church uh, you know, convention websites and stuff like that. The The expectations that some churches put on pastors that don't have elders— it's like <laughs> the thi- all the things you have to be, and, I, and I've now been a, a, a pastor long enough to look at that and go, no way. No way. Yeah. You, you couldn't pay me enough, you know? No. You can't. You, there's no way you can do all those things. But there's, there, there is not another, in Baptist circles at least, they've been trained in that model. Yeah. You know? Where deacons yeah. function as like a... Uh, a, 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 an executive board to mm-hmm. keep the pastor in reign, and then and the people are the shareholders, and the pastor is the CEO. Yeah, and he can be overruled and overthrown by the shareholders and the board anytime he want, anytime right. they want to. Yeah, right. yeah, and and then and then what's frustrating is they'll read back into uh, the the structure that they're operating under with the New Testament as if that's what the New Testament is saying. I I, uh, I read this last night. We were, you know, I'm kind of teaching on elders before we actually have a, a vote for a change in bylaws. And um, I read this quote last night because I think this quote is fantastic. It, it just it it gives a great synopsis of a plurality of elders, and it's by Phil Newton in his book Elders in the Life of the Church. And um, it I think it was published in 2014. There was a previous version that was done in like 04, I think. Uh, and so this is part of that but anyway um he says no one man possesses all the gifts necessary for leading a congregation some men are endowed with strong pulpit gifts but lack effective pastoral skills others excel in pastoral work of visiting and counseling but are not strong when it comes to the pulpit exposition 
Some have unusual abilities in organizing and administrating the ministries of the church, but falter in pulpit and counseling skills. Some, to be sure, are multi-gifted and capable of doing different things. But the strain of tending to the entire ministry, uh, the entire ministry needs of the church, can quickly deplete even the most gifted man. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, you know, any anytime I see a pastor, you know, well, like myself, pastoring in a in a setting where there's just one of him. And, and I'm great. I'm lucky that I have a great, uh, a, a good staff, a great staff that helps tons immensely and mm-hmm. they function as elders. And that's, you know, that's been fantastic. Function but, as elders in the mean, in the sense that they help with some ministry tasks. Right. And they, they do a lot of the work of an elder without mm-hmm. having the title for one, and yeah. without necessarily being looked at as by the congregation, at least in some part, some respects, yeah. as that, um, you know, because we don't have that. That's not the, you know, the the kind of the framing of the staff, I guess, in, right. in this current setup. You know, hopefully we'll change that soon. But, um, but anytime I see a pastor in a situation like that, you know, you can just assume that they are exhausted, mm-hmm. and. And, and sometimes even when there is a plurality of elders and the elders are not doing what they should be doing, they're not lifting uh, the burdens enough, you'll yeah. still find that's true. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's what's, what's unfair about that, and I, I mentioned this last night, was, you know, you, anytime you see that, like what you'll, you'll typically find in a church is they have a pastor and he's like, man, he's a pulpiteer. He's like Spurgeon, you know, and, and that people are like, they, you know, he first starts and, and he's preaching and they're like, man, I just love his preaching so much, you know, but his bedside manner is not great, mm-hmm. you know, and he just kind of, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time with you and he just sort of, you know, it's 30 seconds and then he's on, you know, he's off and whatever. And, and that's hard. And so he preaches there for however many years, and then he leaves or he dies or retires or something. And they move on to the next pastor, and they go hire somebody, and they're like, you know what I really want? I, the, the last guy was good in that he was a pulpiteer, but I really want a, a, somebody that's a counselor and a, just a you know has a good bedside manner. So they find that guy. And then he gets into the pulpit, and he's as dry as an old piece of toast. And they're like, well, I like his bedside manner, but I don't like his, pa- you know, and so then yeah. they just continue every year to try to find the pastor that is the perfect guy. And what they fail to realize, what congregations on the whole usually fail to realize is that every one of them are under shepherds. There is only one great shepherd that's good at everything, right? That is the pulpiteer and can teach on a mountainside and attract thousands of people mm-hmm. and also know your name and sit beside you and comfort you and counsel you. Um, and that's Jesus and none of us are him, you know? So all of us, he, he, he bestows on the church graciously and mercifully the gift of eldering. And he spreads those gifts of his out amongst many people in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And, they all must be utilized and not all of them are going to be utilized for the purposes of eldering, but certainly some of them are. 
but there are gifts that he spread out across the congregation that are other kinds of gifts, gifts of generosity and mercy and hospitality and all kinds of other things that are also spread out amongst the congregation. And every single member of the congregation has to be pulling in the same direction to lift that burden of ministry off the pastor and even off the off the plurality of elders even. Mm-hmm. You know, that there needs to be other people chopping down trees other than just that one deacon, you know. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that there are several people, whether they're called deacon or not, that come up here with them to chop down a tree, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever the case yeah. may be, unclog a toilet or something, you know. Yeah. But it, but that's I, when we when we kind of uncover that in our churches, I think people stop looking at the pastor as God or Jesus. Mm-hmm. They would never call him that. But the amount of expectations they put on him mm-hmm. is tantamount to what you would put on on Jesus, what only Jesus could fulfill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thank God for my elders, uh, one of which is an associate pastor who, uh, I can't tell you what a relief it was. He, he shared on, mm-hmm. he preached a message on Sunday night, aside from the fact he's about to preach several times between now and the summer. Um, just what a joy it is. For, for another of our pastors to stand up in front of the congregation on Sunday night, do a 20-minute message on the Sabbath, and take questions for 10 minutes on what the Sabbath is, why it, why it means that, how it works. And, I mean, I was resting, and I was receiving yeah. the Word, and the church was being ministered to. And you know, in one sense, it's, it's, it's not a, it, it's not a, a you know, it, uh, uh, the the same kind of heaviness that other people might experience in their work life. In many respects, it's it offers um, uh, graces that don't come with other uh, vocations, nine to five kind of things. <clears throat> but it was such a joy to uh, just sit there and and not be needed, mm-hmm. and just be like, if something happens to me tomorrow, this church will be fine with this guy, right? Like they'll be fine, right. and there's right. plenty of guys. Um, and uh, what a joy! Which also I think can it doesn't just put the church in a place where they feel like they can do anything. It puts the pastor potentially in a place where he thinks he can do everything. Right. And I, I've been there as well, where I feel like it's all my job, and it's all my fault, and it's. Mm-hmm. I can, and I should be doing it. That's my job. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that could be mm-hmm. deeply, deeply prideful so that burnout can lead, can come from a, 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 a you know, a really poor mixture of pastoral, expe- you know, congregational expectations of the pastor, but also the pastor's prideful belief in himself. And you put 100%. those two things together in a congregation. Ah, that... You know, it's it's one thing when a church says we have really high expectations of you and your and your time and your ability and uh, those things. It's another thing when the pastor does too. It's just that, that's yeah. that's a really well, and that's a not a good the, concoction. And one, in a sense, you know, breeds the other, and it's impossible to kind of separate the sure. chicken from the egg, which comes first. You know, but yeah. you take a you take a position 
like singular head pastor, right? And like we see in, in most churches, many churches, and you put them in a position where they are standing up in front of people, all of whose, whose, whose attention is on him for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or however long every week. And he has an audience held captive by his words. That is a, a ripe bed for pride mm. to, to grow rampant. Mm-hmm. and uh, like a wild vine. Mm-hmm. And then you couple that with no check of an elder body around him to say, brother, that's not wise. Mm-hmm. You know, or you need to take a week, just do nothing. You know, yeah. or you need to, you need to, you know, take a sabbatical or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or even, or even the opposite. You know, he's getting nothing but criticism, and he feels like everything he does is wrong. And to mm-hmm. come alongside him and say, "No, that's not true. That mm-hmm. it's good." You know. Oh yeah. And 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 it go it goes all the way. So we had we had a guy yesterday you know, in our meeting who uh, just broke down. Was you know pretty upset, and um, like in, in an emotional way. I mean, and he had just gotten some email from uh, someone in his church over a difficult email that they, they sent out an email to the entire church, difficult situation. Um, he was, you know, he just had received some criticism back and it was, it was tough. It was hard. And he had just taken the church to plurality of elders, uh, maybe in the fall, something like that last, some, sometime last year, not too long ago for the first time. And that that conversation came up. It was it was like, brother, how different is this experience on this side of having elders with you, versus kind of doing it on your own as the sole senior pastor? The man had friends. There's there's people in the church that care for him and love him, obviously. Um, but you know, it we were just kind of thinking about the kind providence to have other pastors who are dealing with this situation the whole time and then could re- receive pastoral, mm-hmm. could do out pastoral ministry at the same time. Like, it's just an entirely different experience. Um, so it was it was sweet to see that, that providence for him. Um, yeah, it was encouraging. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing to have people, and I, I've had a number of people here, you know, who have been like, look, you know, I understand you have things going on and, but I'm here for you. I can talk with you, that kind of thing. And, and that's great. And I'm grateful for that, but there's always things that you can't say, you know, because like, what do you mean? You know, things that happen, either counseling sessions you've had or, or, or burdens you're bearing or things like that that are of other people in the church that you can't share with the average member of the church that you can't just go well yeah talk to so and so and they're they're having this going on and that's really weighing on my mind right now and the member of the church is like oh my goodness i didn't know that about that person you know you can't you can't just do that you know that's not 
that's not good and right. They're members of your congregation, and there are things that you kind of keep close to the vest as a pastor. But in the event that the plurality of elders are around you, the elder body can share all of those burdens. And that comes with when you join the church, you assume what one elder knows, the rest of the elders know, mm. you know. And they're all sharing that same burden. They're all thinking about it. They're all considering what to do. They're all, you know, taking some measure of responsibility for the care of this person or whatever. And and that that spreads the burden out of Christ, you know, because in some ways being a pastor, I'm not trying to be a martyr here, but like being a pastor is a little bit like laying on a bed of nails. You know, being a singular pastor is like laying on a one nail. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> all the weight is on that one nail. Mm-hmm. But when you have that, the the plurality of elders, the burden of the body is spread out across the entire bed rather than resting on the one nail. And it, mm. it just uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> <laughs> Stumbled onto something brilliant here. <laughs> Another part of being a pastor, you're always writing something. You're yeah. you're, you're always you, you know, always think it's more I'm, brilliant than what it is. Surpri- <laughs> the only thing that surprised me about what you just said is that you're going to write it down. What are you gonna <laughs> What are you gonna write it on? Do you even That's just a metaphor for typing. <laughs> a metaphor for talking to Siri out of the side of your mouth while yeah. you record a, yeah. a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna feed that into chat GPT and see what it says back to me. <laughs> see if it's a good idea or not. What do you think about this? Oh. You rewrite it, make it better. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's say that that yeah, I don't want to go down that road again. Let's not Again that that's on the B sides of the yeah, Fire and yeah. Bones podcast. Yeah, no one, <laughs> the deep cuts. If anyone wants to know what our thoughts are about AI as as pastors, we could summarize it in yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, in the I lost episodes. I don't know the ones that went down the went down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded and went. That was terrible. <laughs> Flush that one away. Yeah, but the aliens <laughs> one you can find that one. You can both. Episodes. You can, you, can, <laughs> you can find the aliens one. I want to. I should look up how successful be, those two episodes are. I bet they're up towards the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I bet they're competing with like Rogan and all of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pastors. Uh, <laughs> so aliens. I did have a member. Time. I did. I did have a member of my congregation say, "I was listening." And I was I was listening episode by episode, and it was all you know it was all good, and I was thinking through it, and then all of a sudden, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "You're welcome." Yeah. <laughs> Just... yeah. <laughs> to which I would respond, "This is what it's like every week when we talk on the phone." You know, yes. It's <laughs> Again, like we're recording a phone call. That's exactly what's happening. That's that's right. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah. how have how have you seen? So like, when did you when did your church move to elders? 2013-14. Um, and how long after you had gotten there was that? Uh, two or three years. Oh, that was really fast. Were they well, ready I, for elders before you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I probably could have gone faster maybe, but we had a building renovation in there, and um, 
Yeah. I that's one of the things I shared when I came to the church was I want to move that direction. And if and so the church, at least the search team needs to hear that up front. And two of our guys who are elders now were on the search team then. Uh, and they were in agreement. You know, I remember one of the guys, John Hurley, who you know, uh, just said, I've grown up in Baptist churches. I've seen this in the Bible my whole life. I don't know why Baptist churches don't do it. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could be your guy because that's, that's my goal. Uh, it, it would yeah. be at this church. And historically, that, they did do it. Make that move, yeah. And so we've had two elders, two lay elders since then, uh, and a few staff elders who have come on and off, and we have Cal now who's uh, a, a pastoral staff elder, you could say. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're constantly looking for new guys. And, you know, we're, we're doing something called leadership training in our church right now where we're trying to particularly invest in and watch for guys growing who, who could be elders. Definitely don't expect all of the guys in that group, that leadership training, to want to be an elder, nor have the... The gifts to be an elder, um, but it's it's. How kind do you of, pose it to them? Do you do you say like, hey, does if anybody wants to be an elder, come to the meeting on Monday night? No, no. We, what do you do? We call it leadership training, and we we mention that you know we, this is something we would love for. It. If you desire to be an elder, this would be good for you to do. It's not a prerequisite for becoming an elder to to go through this training, but we we couch it as we. We need, Paul told Timothy to find faithful men and entrust to them the deposit of the faith so that they can, in turn, do that with the next generation. That's really mm-hmm. what we're doing. So we, we couch it as... Second Timothy 2.2? 2, 2? Yeah, I think so. Second, yeah. At our, so we, we're just looking for men who can lead the church in their homes, in the church, become Sunday school teachers... Uh, maybe preach on Sunday evenings, hopefully become elders. But even if not, like even if we have, we've got eight guys in it right now, I think, if these guys don't become elders, like we don't go like, wow, that was a f- total failure. We got no elders. No, we got we got these eight guys who are trained uh, in biblical. So we're, we're reading through uh, 12 books through the year and a lot of articles, a few podcasts. And uh, we discuss the books. I kind of problem shoot with the book, the guys. I kind of put them to task and kind of press some of their beliefs, you know, with scenarios. And we, uh, some of which are f- from our church, some of which are just made up. And you know, we just read through. So we're gonna we're, we started with the Word with Kevin DeYoung's taking God at His Word. We just did a biblical theology. Uh, Kevin, not Kevin, uh, Stephen Gentry and David Wellam on. Uh, Kingdom through Covenant, Biblical Theology, mm. the whole Bible. Uh, we're doing Michael you, Warren's is, conversion. You, you didn't make him read the full version? Just No, we did the, the popular version, version, but that was enough to almost lose a couple guys. It, yeah, I, I, don't, for sure. I don't think I would do it again. We'll pick something else next time. It was just too technical. Like a like a uh, Goldsworthy book, a Graham Goldsworthy yeah. book or something like that. Yeah, so yeah there's, there's a few out there. Um, but we're going through conversion, then we'll go through discipling, then we'll go through elders and deacons, then we'll go through uh, family devotion in your home, uh, we'll go, like family worship by Donald Whitney. Uh, we're going to read history of the Reformation. We're going to read, so we're just reading on these things and talking through them and spending some time praying for each other, as well as like I'm inviting those guys over for steak night at my house on Saturday. So kind of bring your own steak if you want to come and hang out and. 
Um, so especially I understand. I understand the uh, elders piece being guys, right? But when you put it in the terms of like leadership, you know, there are obviously leadership positions and things like that that women in your church will do, you know, yeah. um, in, in various capacities. Are they part of this too, or is this just guys? No, this is, this is intended to be for men, but I think that brings up a good question. Um, you know, how, how do we and are we training up women for the kind of leadership God has gifted them to and called them to? Um, uh, that's not the invitation that, that we've given. We also invite these men, again, because of the elder piece. We invite them. Th- so this is every other Tuesday from 5 to 7. And then at 7 o'clock, our elder meeting starts. And mm. the first Tuesday of, of each month, we pray through our membership role. Uh, or at least a section of it. So we've invited those guys in the leadership training to stick around for our elders praying through the members of the church. Um, mm. And then uh, then those guys can leave and we kind of go into kind of executive session or whatever you want to call it with just the elders actually talking about uh, uh, member care and oversight matters. Um so yeah, we've had a few of those guys this year stick around to, to pray for our few prayer meetings that we've had, and um, just just watch and see guys show interest and show giftedness and ability to teach, and it's great. Do you ever think that you ever experience where a person you know hears their name associated with elder, and they go, "Oh man, I could I could never be that." Almost or, every I don't time. Think I'll, yeah. Yeah. So how do you how do you address that? Like with with people who that you know that that might be thinking, okay, our church recognizes a plurality of elders, and the church is training up people to be not paid necessarily by the church to be an elder, but are are part of the lay elder, you know, team, and not meaning lay in terms of competence, but lay in terms of not paid. Right. Um. And um. You know do how do you overcome a lot of those objections and how, how would somebody who is like, or or maybe even should somebody who's thinking like, I could never, I would never be an elder. How would, how do you get them to think differently about that? And, and like with Paul, if you aspire to be an elder, you aspire a good thing, you know? Yeah. And I actually think, I actually think that word in first Timothy three, one now that you desire a noble thing, that word noble means you desire you desire something that requires qualifications. Yeah. The the idea of it being a noble task is that you desire something that makes sense of the the list that he's about to give you for qualifications. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing we 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 haven't gone to guys and said first thing we think you should be an elder. We, 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 we try to get guys to care for guests and members. We try to give guys appropriate teaching opportunities. We invite guys to training to see if they want to grow in it. And we start to see, do they do things that non-elders do, but do they start to do it in, a, in an elder way and with an elder care and, and, and desire and love 
then we start to see they're already doing the thing. So like when I, I told a guy last year, I was like, we, we could see you being an elder in the future. He was like, what? Oh my gosh, that's so humbling. Thank you so much. I never pictured myself as an elder. I was like, well, right. did you did you take these people out to lunch? Yeah. Are you meeting with this guy for discipleship? Yeah. Have you been teaching on Sunday night and gotten good feedback? Yeah. I mean, what do you, you're, 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 you're do you're doing some of those things already. Um, mm-hmm. So, when you when you say you want someone to be an elder, it, whatever their mind has in their mind of it, that's what you're dealing with. It's kind of like, are you a Calvinist? Well, I don't know. It depends on what you mean by that. <laughs> but when we mm-hmm. when we find guys and kind of, you know share that word with them the idea is that we're able to say because you're doing some of these things already and mm-hmm. we would simply be bringing you another concentric circle into leadership where you're more I, I guess you could say authoritatively uh, leading the church along with uh, the senior pastor and the other pastors counseling overseeing making decisions um and uh, teaching and praying, f- overseeing the members together in a formal way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I the think other though, things just you know, a lot of convince guys, yeah. you know, like, hey, brother, you know, think about it, pray about it. I do see that in you, and so other people see that in you too. So maybe you should think again. What about the, you know, the the piece where the guy is like, you know, I I don't have my doctrine of the end times ironed out and I don't know, you know, when somebody says this or that, I don't know exactly where to go in scripture for every answer to those things. And I'm not a great counselor and you know, that kind of stuff, but I, he does make disciples or he does, you know, he can teach, but just, you know, is not, it needs to be prepared you know, ahead of time, he can't just, he couldn't just be put on the spot, you know, to teach something. He'd want to be well-prepared, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, how do you overcome the, like the conceptions of elder being, well, I look at you, Nathan, and you, you know, somebody could come in and drop a question on your desk that is out of left field and you could route it through scripture and kind of give a, you know, a nice buttoned up answer to it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that, you know. So, like, how do you, uh, how do you overcome that objection to the the guy who has that kind of fear that he's got to be you? Yeah, the, I mean, a or does the, he? A the answer is whatever you think I am. I'm probably not as much as you think I am. I, I'm not a. I, I don't That's win sure. Bible trivia. <laughs> You know, I didn't mean that just about you. Like, but. Listen, yeah, <laughs> listen to our alien podcast, and you'll you'll feel better. <laughs> I, I just don't think that's, you know, being able to do well at Bible trivia and answer every question is the full meaning of rightly handling the word of truth. The ability to say I don't know, and have a plurality of elders that can help you, is just as faithful as being able to answer every question all the time. How many counseling sessions have I walked out of and, and gone, walked out of, gotten in my truck, on the way home, gone, I should have said blank. Oh, man, that's almost all of them. You know? So that's just, that's not the bar. That That's not the, the totality. Can you 
sufficiently understand the scriptures to defend the gospel and the doctrine of our church. And I mean, I, I've, I have now since taught through Ezekiel and Revelation, uh, not Daniel yet, explicitly by itself. And I mean, I got, I'm, I know more now than I did. And I think I have tighter convictions than I did on things like the end times. But there's plenty of things. So I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a good yeah. grief. So that's not what we're, it's not entirely what we're, what we're shooting for. But if you're if you're kind of characterized by, man, I just don't know, you know, I don't I don't know really much about scripture, you know, then you got an issue, and that's a judgment call. Or, it's you, kind of or like bringing someone into yeah. membership in the church, are they a Christian? That's a judgment call. I've I've asked all kinds of questions about this over the years about, you know, like if you, for example, do you have if you're a thousand person church and you've got, uh. 35 or 50 elders Hmm. do you have room in your elder body for and you need and you need more do you have room in your elder body to have a guy who um is 28 years old pretty solid um but is definitely not going to be your senior elder you know in the Mm -hmm. in the room when the elders get together Mm -hmm. yeah i think Mm -hmm. so if you're a smaller church and you have three elders and you've just introduced elders recently and you're still helping define what it means to be an elder, do you have as much bandwidth and capital to spend on a 28-year-old elder in the church? Probably not. Mm. M- maybe mm-hmm. not. I, I don't. The point is there are those kinds of factors. You know, What if your mm. entire church is mostly comprised of people who've been Christians for three years. Who's mm-hmm. the el- Who can be an elder in that church? Who can mm-hmm. teach them and lead them? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just, there, there are some of those things that are, they're, they're not biblical qualifications, but they are, they require wisdom for what's, what's good for our church. As long as you're inside the biblical qualification playing field of character qualifications, of credibility within the church, of ability to defend the scriptures as as long as you're in that football field you have some judgments to make too for the sake of the church i mean sometimes it could be like like for a while i and and still now you know we've got uh myself and i would say um i'm kind of uh you know in, introverted type A kind of person maybe I don't know if you, I don't know if that's a good fit but um, you know to go back to your kind of balance earlier teaching preaching is is my favorite and strength and I could do it one on one I could do it in small groups I could do it in um, yeah but some of the the softer pastoral or administrative skills are weaknesses for me and we have you know one of our elders is a vice president one of our elders is an engineer and so they're just their their persons and their leadership is in in a kind of vein, right? They they operate this way, and so mm-hmm. you know we've talked about like it'd be great if we have an elder who is not like that, you know, who is you know has uh who, whose skills are softer if you can, if that's a good way to put it, uh, who who leans shepherding, versus kingly mm-hmm. leans pastoral mm-hmm. versus uh you know overseeing. Um, mm-hmm. Not that those are 
opposite or, or in challenge to each other. But but that's a, that's my point is, you know, we we look for those things and are prayed for those things, um, and uh, you take the elders God gives you, of course, you know. Who can be an yeah. elder in the church? Well, the, the ones who are qualified. <laughs> uh, yeah. The ones the Lord has given us. So, um, Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that, too, when it comes to, like, biblical knowledge of an elder, it's one thing to open the text and go, I have questions about all this, and I don't, I don't understand any of this. And someone who opens the Bible and goes, I'm reading this. I'm understanding what's being said. I know how to investigate more details to understand more and to grow more in this and to get to get deeper insight into this text. And there, there's a difference between those two approaches mm-hmm. in Scripture. One you find much more consistent with an elder, and one you you know find much more consistent with the average person in the in the church body. Um, where in the handling of Scripture the elder typically can can read it and say i i understand even if it's a complicated text i understand in general what's being said here and and i can connect that to the rest of the things that i know in scripture and go okay i think i get the track that this is on and maybe just as importantly is being able to to filter out the things that you know that's not what it's saying clearly because you know that that conflicts with so many other things that I know about, you know, scripture that, that may be just as important in your knowledge of scripture as anything else, you know, and being able to, to, I I tell the church constantly, people ask me all the time, they'll ask me questions about texts that I'm like, I, you know, it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a crazy verse or something like that, that, you know, I'm still not settled on. A lot of times I'll, I'll say, well, here's what we know it doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. So we can we can keep it out of this territory, and the answer is going to be probably somewhere in here, and you know that may not be entirely satisfying, but we know where the boundary is around orthodoxy, and we don't want to cross uh, yeah. the fence. And that's an, that's an important task. Let's be honest, half, way way more than half of the biblical theological challenges. There's been a couple that have been really closer to. The center of doctrine or life of the church, where our elders have had to work some things out, including some right now. But the sure. majority of the things we're doing is just continuing to teach and reiterate and apply the the simple truths of the gospel and what it means to be a church, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to live in holiness. Those things are not that difficult. Mm-hmm. We're really looking for a uh, a man in eldership who can understand those things, you know. Can can you discern the difference between covenantalism and dispensationalism, and you know, interpret Revelation twenty and the millennium? Good grief! Right? No. Yeah. No. Name name yeah. four people in your church that you know who could. It well, just, and even if they can, even if they can, in ten years, their opinion's probably going to be different. Yeah. Than it is right now. Right. So. Right. Yeah, so um, I, I just don't think that's the definition of what we're looking for in an, in an elder in the first place. Um, right. So. so many people think that, I think. They look at you or they look at whoever, their pastor, and they see him do the things that he does on Sunday and explain the things the way he does on Sunday or something like that. And they walk away thinking, well, that is the bar 
Well, as far as teaching or biblical knowledge or whatever. Here's what I would say, though. Simeon Trust has taught me this. There is the there's the guy who who teaches, and he is, um, you know, unconscious about how bad he is. Yeah. There's the guy. He, he is, you know, he's incompetent and he's unconscious about how bad he is of a preacher. Then there's the guy who maybe he's not that great of a preacher, but he's at least conscious of it, and he's trying to get better. And then there's the guy who comes across the congregation as unconsciously competent. In other words, he preaches really good sermons, and no one knows how he does it. He comes mm-hmm. out with these truths that are amazing, and he connects Scripture together, and he, you leave going, I would never have put that together. That's amazing. That's actually not good. Mm. You don't want to actually be there. You want people to leave and go, well, that is clear as day right in the Scripture. Right. He's not, this is not Nathan. He's not making this up. No, no. And and, and you don't right. have to to be a you know rocket scientist to come up with what he said from the Bible. You should be able to see that it's in the Bible. Yeah, Does but the isn't pastor... there another category? Isn't there another category where the guy listens to you and goes, that's clear as day in the Scripture. I can see that now. I see sure. that now that he said that. But when I opened the Bible, I did not see. I, so like yeah. there was a sermon the other day. It was. It's not that I'm typically the, you know, the poster child for this or anything, but like there was a sermon that I preached the other day on a pretty short text and it seemed to be just sort of very straightforward. Here's what happened. But what I did in the sermon was kind of connect it more broadly to biblical theology on the whole and the story of scripture. And a couple of people were like, obviously that's what it says. But when I read the text this week before coming here on Sunday morning, I was like, I don't know what he's going to do with this, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was just sort of, you know, it's just sort of a straightforward account. Here's what happened, you know? And, and so I think there is that category of people that, that kind of look at it and go, I see that it says that. And it, and all the points that he made are clear. And that, that's obviously, you know, what's going on here. But I never would have been able to do that. And they think that because they potentially couldn't have opened the Bible up and done that, or they think they couldn't have, that, that well, that's what it means to be an elder. And I can't do what, what Nathan does in the yeah. pulpit. And so... Therefore, yeah, I, I couldn't be an elder. I think, and I think we should fight against that. I, I would hope that there is a sense of, uh, oh, I didn't see that. I would have never saw that. I'm so I'm thankful to learn that. I hope that happens a lot. But at the same time, it, I hope that it happens in a way that it encourages our church, all, all members of our church, to go, that's helpful. That helps me learn how to read the Bible. That helps yeah. me learn how to, you know, you guys are going through 1 Samuel. I'm learning how to think about 1 Samuel. I'm not just learning lessons along the way. I'm learning how to read this genre of the Bible. And yeah. so that I can do it. Now, you know, will you we're all growing. I'm I'm I, I hope I'm growing, you know, in understanding the Bible and teaching and preaching the Bible and so yeah, that's I I sure hope that there's nothing that I do intentionally or unintentionally that ever makes it sound like, you know, you guys better be thankful you have me to figure this out for you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, have the tone and, and, of, and, you, you can all do this, you know. And it even it even kind of begins to creep into what is preaching. Preaching isn't primarily taking things you can never figure out by yourself 
and I'll do it for yeah. you, and I'll pass it on to you. That's not the whole goal of preaching. Yeah, ten, ten secrets to a better marriage. You know, right? It's or, not, or, or even these aren't secrets. More fundamentally, preaching isn't just giving you insights. It's uh, convicting. It's shaping. It's encouraging. Yeah. It's um, it's bringing you back from being distracted to being focused. It it does yeah. a lot of things, and it's not all just taking you from unknown to known, from you know I didn't know to now I know. Uh, right. It's, it's not just information transfer. You could you could do that all. You could Google that all day. Right. Um, I don't think that's what preaching. In that is. in in which case, Chat GPT will really replace the preacher. It really will. And we've had Sunday night guys. I mean, really, if it's just an information transfer. Yeah, we've had Sunday night guys preaching last year, um, and I I made a commitment through the fall that I would never preach on Sunday night for the whole fall last year. That it would just be other guys and our Sunday evening stuff. And a couple times I was cunning as a serpent, and I hopefully innocent as a dove. I didn't have someone else up to do it. I didn't preach, but I just read a Charles Spurgeon sermon, which I said was from Spurgeon, obviously. And uh, But we had guys who, they're just so great, and they're all so different, you know? Like I could, I could name guys who, one guy was just really good at technically handling the text and clarifying some nuances in the text. Uh, another guy gave this, really, I can remember where he was standing and a little bit of the illustration that he gave. It was just deeply warming and encouraging and you know, brought some of us to tears on our Sunday night sermon from a from a guy's not an elder in our church, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just so great uh, hearing different guys with their different giftedness and yeah. and preaching simple stuff. They're not they're not preaching on the millennium. They're they're not trying to discern you know is the temple in Ezekiel a third physical temple or not. They're they're really encouraging the church through the gospel and simple instruction. Um, yeah, it's really helpful. So I, I've been yeah. teaching a lot on Sunday nights, and uh, we have a couple guys sprinkled in here and there. But I'm excited to get back to something like that uh, later on this year. Um, yeah, because it's really sweet. Yeah, and it and it's yeah, really, I th- and that that also tells the church you guys don't need Nathan. There's plenty of guys. Yeah. That can right. do it just fine, right? Uh, which is a load off of off. Coming back to what we we're talking about at the beginning, I when I hear that, and I see the church affected by their preaching, man, it takes a load off my shoulders. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it just it just really frees me. I feel helped. It, it's you know, I think the the discipline of preaching or the the I don't know if you call it a discipline. Yeah. Whatever the act, the act of preaching is, it kind of lends itself sometimes. I think to um, uh, look at me and look how I do it, and there's certainly a a component to it that when you stand up every Sunday by Sunday, and you are the one preaching, the congregation gets used to hearing your voice. And the yeah. way you do it, and the style you do it, and just the the manner that you do it in, yeah. and and sometimes they develop a preference for the way that pastor does it, and when they hear somebody else, they feel like, well, that's not 
that's not what I'm used to. That's not what I like. But, and, and, I, and I think some, perhaps some pastors, I hope I'm not guilty of this, but I think some pastors kind of like that, that, you know, they, they want to hear me. They don't want to hear somebody else. And, or they, they like the way I do it. Or then even start to, you know, buy their own hype. Yeah. Where they kind of go, yeah, the way I do it, there's something to this. It's awesome. And so everybody else has to do it the exact same way. And when we say things like the word does the work, yeah, we mean that somebody else can get up there and can take the point of the text and apply it to the life of the congregation. And yeah. the congregation is going to grow. They're going to be edified. They're going to be corrected. They're going to be rebuked. They're going to be convicted. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to grow. They're going to ha- uh, have all kinds of things happen to them because the Spirit of God is working through His Word to His people. And He's going to ensure that they're fed. And that there's, it's not that style, it's not that manner doesn't matter at all, but, but that it, it, it sometimes is overblown. And people might look at you and go, I could never do what Nathan does. Well, obviously, because you're not Nathan, Mm -hmm. you know, you're somebody else and you can take the word and you can give it to God's people and they'll grow. They will. And I think you can apply that to just about anything. Leading leading a members meeting, you know, I'm going to be gone out of town next week and we're going to have a members meeting and I won't be there. And it's just going to go along just like it does all of our other member meetings. You know, yeah. You need someone to counsel you. You need someone to visit you in the hospital. You, you're you having a tough time through marriage. Um, our elders can help. Yeah. Uh, do all, and they'll have strengths and weaknesses and all those things, too. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so it's an encouragement, I think, to people that, you know, might be otherwise might be elder qualified but they can't get out of their own head that they you know are somehow not qualified in spite of the fact that they disciple people they teach people the word they Mm -hmm. they welcome people into their home they you know are faithful to their wife they Mm -hmm. you know in every other way are qualified except they look at the you know somebody one particular elder and they go well i'm not him yeah you know (laughs) like well yeah it's that defeats the purpose of being an elder if you were of plurality of elders if you yeah. were that guy yep. you know it'd yeah. be pretty lopsided elder body absolutely when it when you, you have plurality of elders in your new bylaws they just presented right what, yeah we haven't voted on them in yet but yeah, yeah what what is that process for you guys how how long from introduction last wednesday to uh, i'm hoping that the church will uh, affirm and and put these bylaws in. Uh, looking like April thirtieth is going to be our our member meeting okay. where we vote. Because you'll have one in March, then you'll have another one in April. Uh, yeah, f- our last one was March. Might have been March first. Now that I think about it, y'all March. do y'all do yeah, a, March first a, a member meeting every two months or every month. No, no. We right now it's in our bylaws to have one a quarter, but it doesn't quite work out balanced that way cuz we have two at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh we try to have usually two before the summer cuz the summer it's like almost pointless, you know, to have anybody 
there at a member meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's right now it's labeled as one a quarter, but we end up probably having five, maybe six throughout a year, mm-hmm. you know, most years, but they're not evenly spaced. I'll mm. say it that way. They're, yeah. they're not as routine and evenly spaced like that. They, yeah. I think they will, they will be, but, um, but no, they're not as, they're not as evenly spaced. Yeah. We do one every month right now. And, um, yeah, I got plus how often, minus how often do you have a, a member meeting where there's no votes? I mean, like you just don't have anything to vote on. It's all like prayer information, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say in the last year, since we went to monthly meetings for the first time last year, um, I mean, that happened several meetings, you know? Yeah where we didn't have new members coming in, we didn't have members going out, we didn't have a budget to vote on, we didn't have deacons coming in and out, we didn't... Um, that happened a few times. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah I think... Th- um, but we have a meal before our it. meeting, and we we share evangelism testimonies in our meetings, we sing, we have a devotion. So there's some... It's not just a business meeting. So it's not a loss for the night. It's not like a, well, why do we even right. do that? There's a lot of right. softer spiritual things that happen in our fellowship uh, during those times. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so. I I definitely, you know, the, hopefully after, if if we're, by God's grace, we get the new bylaws approved and, and elders become, a plurality of elders becomes the... the um, Elder leadership and congregational role becomes the governance, the polity in our church. Um, I want the member meetings to move to something a lot more like that, almost like, almost like a, um, like a worship service mm-hmm. where where we do we, business too, sort of thing. Where we yeah we do some of the operations of the church as well, the voting in of members may maybe hopefully you know I mean I know it'll eventually come but the the voting out of members but you know things like that but but you know in addition to that it's like there's a little you know sermonette as it were there's singing you know praise there's you know there there's a lot of those kinds of things too there's there's here's what's you know fantastic to look at in our church look at look at what's going on here and we we love this and we want to celebrate this and here's how to think about this person and this and the work that they're doing and that that kind of thing mm-hmm. so there's there's um, a lot of celebration as a family about what's going on in the life of the church mm-hmm. you know and uh and and even prayer you know for people and and things like that I, you know I want to morph our members meeting into something that's a lot more akin to that and where there's also things that the congregation has to vote on you know i mean that's always going to be part of it you know in a uh, congregationally ruled church but mm-hmm. um but i th- i that i think is a benefit of of elders being a part of the congregation is that there is much more ministry being done that's that's even outside of just teaching you know that you know it's not just hey we're teaching this we're teaching this but mm-hmm. it's it's here's how home visits are going here's how you know the those kinds of things are are um shaping up and here's why we we think this is a really good thing for our church you know um yeah. so i think that's a benefit yeah absolutely 
Well, I'm encouraged for that. I know that's been uh, something that's been on your mind for a while. I'm encouraged to hmm. to see it coming through, and um, yeah, thankful for that. I think it'll serve you guys well. Yeah, hope so. So I mean, I'm coming. I'm coming on June 11th, and uh, I'm going to preach on tongues. Is that what you said? <laughs> Psalm 43, I think. Is Psalm 43 about <laughs> is, tongues. Is there, is there is there tongues in Psalm 43? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to be in New Mexico. I'm going to be reading about tongues next week, but then the week after we're doing tongues. Okay. All right. So Sounds good. Gives you two weeks to get ready. All right. All right. All right. All right. See you, man. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Thank you.